This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. They basically said, I think what we need to do is a firm, hard lockdown like we did kind of at the beginning to just get through this, get it under control so I can open back up. This is going to kill my business. And it was interesting to see, one, because you're basically having a business saying, shut me down, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, because if we don't, you know, rip the Band-Aid off quickly, uh, the pain may put me out of business. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Welcome to Crossing Division. Hey, this week, we are sort of on the cutting edge of hot topics because we have our good friend, Derek Young, Pierce County Council member, to talk about this surprise plan, also called a coup by the News Tribune by Matt Driscoll, in which the Pierce County Council has decided that it might be a really good idea to dismantle the long-standing partnership with the city of Tacoma that that is the Tacoma Pierce County Department of Health. Yes, during a pandemic, maybe it's a good idea to throw the Department of Health into administrative chaos because, well, who knows why? So Derek, tell us what is going on. First, how did this come up and what is the proposal and what the hell? Thank you. That thanks again for having me. Um, I, I feel like I, I get a jacket if I come on one more time, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that's the rule. Um, it's totally the rule. Yes. <laughs> so appreciate you having a, uh, having me. So uh, here's the basics. So the um, the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department, is, like you said, is a interlocal uh, agreement, um, a partnership with the City of Tacoma and um, Pierce County. And it's been around since 1972. It's actually older than me. And uh, so prior to that, you often had municipal um, health departments and sometimes you'd have a county health department as well. And they kind of worked around each other. There was a movement towards consolidating those uh, around that time. And so uh, Tacoma Pierce County Health Department was one. There's a few different models you can have around the state. You can have a a, a, a city county health uh, partnership, uh, a health district. Uh, there are even multi-county health districts, and, and then there are county-run um, health departments. Often, they're called health and human services departments. And um, so ours is of the county-city partnership. Uh, there's a couple others, but uh, King County is the one closest uh, of our neighbors. But a lot of the other counties our side are, our size are actually districts, which is a different setup. Our board is made up of members of the Tacoma City Council, um, Pierce County Council, the executive, uh, the mayor, and as well as a representative of smaller cities. And so Mayor Pat Johnson from Buckley represents the other cities at the table. And then finally, we have a health officer, or excuse me, a, a <clears throat> health professional um, appointed by the Medical Society, uh, and that's Dr. Heroda. So um, it's a <clears throat> it's a non-like uh, political board in that it's appointed from our uh, from our bodies, but obviously each of us, uh, with the exception of Dr. Hirota, are elected in our own right. Uh, mm-hmm. So why do this? 
So the uh, I, at first it was unclear what was really going on. And there was a lot of concern because you're seeing some political interference around the country due to COVID uh, in, in public health. I don't think that's the case here. It seems to, please. I was gonna say, let me back you up a second and say, how did this first come up? Yeah, so it, um, unfortunately it, it caught us largely by surprise. Um, and by us, I mean the council of Democrats and the city of Tacoma. Um, it was basically introduced at study session uh, on Tuesday and uh, was to be calendared at our, uh, uh, at our uh, county council meeting that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, in fairness, I did get a heads up slightly before the meeting um, uh, from Councilmember Richardson, who was the sponsor at that point. Uh, when it went to the uh, study session, uh, essentially, you know, Councilmember Roach realized that this met her longtime goal of making the uh, the county council the board of health. Um, that's mm-hmm. her belief of the way it should run, and that's been a long-held belief. So she was very excited about it and uh, agreed to sponsor, and Doug essentially took his name off. Um, we were obviously thinking that, as you pointed out, maybe this isn't the best time for a, a, a governance change in our board of health. Um, it's something that a discussion that we could have, but you know, right now, quite frankly, we need our public health department focused on the pandemic. We need um, them focused on the vaccination rollout. I don't think people realize just how complicated this vaccination is going to be. It's the, it's the most complicated there's ever been. We have to, you know, refrigerate this stuff beneath 80 degrees from, you know, the plant to delivery. Uh, we have to coordinate uh, two different doses before it's effective. Um, you know, there's a lot of logistics that are going to go into this to get 900,000 Pierce County residents vaccinated. That's a lot of work. And I don't want um, our public health workers spending you know, even a minute on thinking about unnecessary things at the moment, because there are other things that move on. We still have to, you know, protect the public from other potential problems. Um, the, the, so at that meeting, we decided um, to take an unusual step and object to the scheduling of it. Usually the consent agenda just moves through. That's why it's called consent. You know, it, it's ever with everyone's agreement. Um, and so we pulled it from the consent agenda and uh, we had a party line vote to schedule it for the rules committee on the 7th. So that's this coming Monday. And then final on the 15th. That's a very short calendar for any issue, but particularly something of major importance. Um, I would also note that normally a public health issue would go to my committee, human services. Um, and instead it's being ske- uh, scheduled for the rules committee, which is typically just done for administrative things, scheduling, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's just made up of three members rather than five um, that make up the council's leadership. So it's myself and uh, Doug Richardson and uh, Dave Morrell. So um, there's there's a lot going on here. And essentially, it looks like what's being done is to try to make this happen and adopt it ahead of the um, change in council makeup coming this next year. Um, because, it, you know, I, I think the theory being that the, the Democrats would be less inclined because we're taking the majority um, to take this step. So that brings me to the the why. What what is the purpose behind this? And that was mysterious at first. We were a little confused. And as I said, you know, the uh, nationally you have this movement to for political interference and and health departments due to the COVID response. 
I, I had suspected all along that wasn't the case here. And while um, I disagree with uh, uh, them on the bill itself, um, you know, especially Councilmember Richardson and Morell, they have not been rabidly against the public health response to this. Uh, they've actually been pretty good. You know, there's times when there's disagreements there, but it's it's not a conspiracy theory driven couple of folks. Um, what it appears to be more about is, and, and council member Morrell, um, talked about this in his, uh, in a Twitter post, um, where he basically explained it's more about the, um, uh, the permitting process. So a lot of people don't realize that public health also has control over, uh, water and septic permits. So a building permit that is an unincorporated Pierce County, um, Unlike uh, places in the city where the city would control all of it because they have water and sewer, a lot of building permits, um, the health department touches. And so it appears that there's some some disagreements over how that uh, goes. There's some concerns over efficiency and administration that, um, you know, maybe combining with the with the county would be more efficient. Now, part of the reason it might be more efficient is instead of having a health director that responds to a large board, but basically you have a professional that runs the organization. Um, as a county health department, uh, it would actually be, uh, they would work for the county executive. So the county executive, who's also charged of the uh, uh, building department, would have more direct uh, control there. So um, while you would retain the county council as a board of health, our role would be more limited than what the current one is, where um, we can give a certain degree of a direction to health department staff. That's not the case if you're a board of health, that's the county council. Our role would be more like our relationship with the other departments within you know, the county. So they come to us for budgets, for health code, um, for example, they, they would come to the council at that point, but they would not necessarily like, you know, the work they do and how they do it uh, would not, uh, that, that would be handled all administratively. So, I guess what I'm what I'm here to say is that the timing is terrible. We need to deal with this, but I can at least say that the motives aren't as as concerning as I think a lot of people uh, had suspected that it was directly about the COVID response. I think the issue is that the COVID response makes this the inappropriate time to, to even discuss it. Yeah, I had heard a rumor from someone who um, you know sort of. Um, fancies himself. I think he he is a little bit a, a political insider on county politics. And he said it it, it came down to um, the executive, Bruce Dammeyer, uh, not liking or, you know, having a, a good relationship with Dr. Chen, who's the head of the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department, and particularly concerns over funding um, related to COVID and the quarantine hotel in particular. So, uh, and this was told me like a, there's this is what's going down. This is a, an issue between the exec and Dr. Chen and period. That's it. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, to that, I would say uh, there I, I guess I would say there's there's no secret that there is some tension between the executive and Dr. Chen. But um, I, I, I'll admit I had assumed that this was being done at the behest of the executive, because quite frankly, uh, Councilmember Richardson and Roach and McCune, they're all leaving. So, you know, it didn't seem like there was much benefit to them. Why are they willing to go this far to do something that they won't 
be around to, um, you know, essentially benefit from. Uh, so I had, I had suspected that it was the executive. I talked with him. He emphatically denied it. Um, and, you know, frankly, was uh, pretty upset that I had assumed that. So to his defense, uh, I, I'm uh, now in agreement that at least uh, he is not behind the drafting of the bill. Um, and so I will I will take him at his word on that. Uh, however, he has not indicated opposition. Uh, or that he would veto the bill, um, you know, should it come to his desk. So I have to operate with the assumption that he's at least tacitly supportive. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, Derek, you, you do have a new council coming in. Why don't you just fix it then? The problem mm-hmm. is it's an ordinance. In order to undo an ordinance, we have to pass another ordinance. And that means that there's a veto opportunity for our bill. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have to operate as though once this train gets rolling, we're going to be unable to stop it, um, short of some legal issues, some some other kinds of, uh, of interventions. But I may not be able to fix it legislatively once mm-hmm. I- if it passes on the 15th. Well, let me ask you some questions about this. So I was looking at the Web page for the Department of Health, and it looks to me like on the Board of Health, the county actually has more seats at that table than any other entity. That's correct. So we have um, three council members and the executive. Uh, the city has two council members and the mayor. And then uh, we have the the uh, Dr. Heredas seat for the medical society and then the um, other cities and towns. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a provision in the ILA that uh, right now the only contributors to this financially are Tacoma and Pierce County. If the other cities would like representation, they can contribute uh, Mm -hmm. financially to it and they would be able to join. In fact, ironically, one of my missions after we got out of the pandemic was to try to expand that membership uh, by the other cities. Because I think if anything else we've learned from the pandemic is how important public health is and how much it's been gutted nationally, this is true, over the last 20 years, you know, like people keep finding uh, you know things i've posted over the years about the risks that we have for the lack of public health response but one in particular was basically that you know our our there are tw- there were when we went into this there were 22% fewer public health workers than there were in 2010 so mm-hmm. that and that's nationally so and basically saying we are not ready for the next pandemic mm-hmm. unfortunately the pandemic got here before we could improve funding so now we've learned our lesson what if we went to all of our other city partners and say, look, you need to be at the table. You know you benefit from this now. Let's let's get you representation, but also let's work together collaboratively to improve the amount of funding that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the county as a result, because the county puts in the most, we get the most representation. But, um, you know, and this brings up another problem here. Uh, the, the city does contribute. The, the, it, and these are our flexible dollars. We call it the health pool. So they're general fund dollars that are given from the city and from the county. Uh, I think it's one sixth of the of the pool is the um, is the city of Tacoma. We don't have a replacement plan for those dollars if they're no longer part of the uh, partnership. So you know we either reduce services or we increase taxes or we cut services uh, elsewhere in the county. Well, Pierce County is a poor county. Like you know, we, it's not like we're busting at the seams with you know, all sorts of frivolous government services. Uh, we're not meeting the basics as it, as it is. If we were King County, maybe we could pull this off. But as it stands right now, um, financially, we are in um, 
this is this is a strange financial arrangement that um, uh, to to contemplate when this goes into effect. Yeah, I I also would have to say that I kind of call um, BS on the idea that this is about permitting or some of the needs for more rural areas for, you know, quicker inspection of wells or quicker inspection of, um, you know, uh, housing developments, because this isn't a proposal to add copious amounts of money to the budget. So it's sort of like there's there's no reason to think that if you severed the county uh, public health from the city's public health, you would suddenly have more money to do inspections of wells or uh, developments or permitting factors. In in fact, I would say you are probably likely to have less because without any increase in person, if you cut out, if you cut the personnel, and then you've got to spread it over the whole county, I I don't see any inc- I, I don't see any increase in services at all. I I think that's absolutely baloney. I mean, what you might see is a decision by the executive's office at that point to put some pressure on the new person in charge to change their priorities. So they were prioritizing things like, you know, inspections and putting more money into that. Um, but otherwise, I, I, I mean, that, that really gets back to the question of, well, isn't this really about taking control over the, over the Department of Health? Yeah. And to your point, um, you know, those are fee services. So, you know, the, you're basically, <clears throat> we try to track as the, the cost as closely to the, uh, to the permit fee as, as possible. So unless you're willing to increase permit fees, it's really hard to see how you add resources to speed things up. Theoretically, I think one of the things that they're talking about is sort of one-stop shopping. But, you know, ironically, one of the things that was supposed to happen when we were going to build our general services building uh, was that we were going to co-locate with the health department and mm-hmm. so you had literally one-stop shopping. So every time I, I hear this issue come up, we, we need greater efficiency between the departments. I'm like, you know, man, we tried it. And you guys said no. Um, and, and also as a result, we all have de- decrepit falling down buildings mm-hmm. uh, rather than nice, you know, new ones. So, I mean, there's there's any number of, of holes in this. I think the, the key to get back to, though, is that um, at a time when our public health workers are exhausted, they uh, feel underappreciated, uh, under attack, and um, you know need our, the support of our political leaders. This feels to them like we don't value the hard work that they've put in for us for months. Um, you know, so when I hear when I hear from them, this is painful for them. It's yeah. not just a you know I'm worried about you know logistical stuff, and I'm hearing that you know like their pension is with the city of Tacoma, mm-hmm. for example, instead of the the state system. So what happens there, and you know things that we don't need them worrying about right now. But it also hurts. It it yeah. hurts morale, and so um, to me, doing this, you know, uh, uh, anything like this not only hurts our health workers, but it's dangerous because yeah. even you know a minute of time spent um, dealing with this problem is a minute that's spent away from responding to the pandemic. And, you know, that's potentially going to cost lives. Yeah. I think that's dangerous. The reward, the risk reward here is so imbalanced. You know, I can picture a scenario where this actually comes up at a later time and we discuss mm-hmm. it and we, we look at what, let's assign ta- uh, our staff a comparative analysis to do, to look at the different procedures or the different systems and see which might be most beneficial to, to Pierce County. 
it's possible that this one comes out on top. I suspect it won't because there's a reason that the only other departments out there that are county departments tend to be very, very small. In fact, in some cases, that's literally like one person who is the health and human services director for like a county of 7,000 people, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because you don't need separate departments then. But, Mm -hmm. um, but to me, it comes back to the, the amount of risk we're taking on here by, by putting this burden on, you know, when we're heading into, and I, I don't think people fully appreciate how dark the next couple of months are going to be. This is, if we don't get a handle on these cases in Washington, we're going to be looking at what other states are already looking at. And that is just brutal amounts of infections, um, very sick people in hospitals, hospitals being overrun. And it's why right now my inbox is full of doctors and nurses saying, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm out there right now, like trying to save lives. We're, we're already overworked. We're at risk of being so overwhelmed that, you know, we won't be able to get people the treatment they need to, to keep them alive. Cause that's, I mean, that's one reason that death rate's gone down. People don't realize doctors and nurses have gotten really good at treating COVID. Uh, they've learned a lot over the time, but if we don't have the ability to get them the treatment, if we overwhelm the system, you know, if we don't have ICU space and all that, um, you know, then we run into problems. And I think people get confused on what the space means. A bed isn't the only thing you need when you have COVID. If that was the case, we could just send you home, die. Right. You know, it's the it's the practical uh, expertise of those folks. It's the machinery that that keeps you going. It's the access to the treatment. Without that, you know, the bed alone. Yeah, I mean, you can see old pictures of that. You know, during the 1918 pandemic, it, you know, they had big tents with beds all over the place. Well, you basically had someone there providing hospice care. Right. Right. Well, and what I would say in that regard, too, in regard to, you know, why this is not the time is in some ways um, the damage has already been done because this has come out there. It's in the public. It's being covered by the news media. And it says a couple of things. One, it says to the employees of that department, here's something else you need to start thinking about and worrying about when it is not what they need to start thinking about and worrying about. Number two. It says to the region, we, we're not able to govern ourselves effectively. You know why? Because leadership is knowing when to pick up a problem and when to leave it alone. Leadership needs to always say, what is the problem that I am trying to solve with this new plan? But even before you say that, you say, is now the time to look at this or should we wait? So, so the leadership has been damaged by this. And that means... And I'm going to say it this way because I think some of the people who might think this is a good idea care deeply about economic issues. Well, this is an economic black eye to Pierce County because these sponsors, and I will put the executive in here too because he didn't tell them to knock it the heck off, and he could have. They have just given our region a black eye. Why should a tech company relocate from King County to Pierce County if we can't put public health together properly and know when to keep our mitts off of it. And I, I, I mean, I'm beside myself. I can't think of during a pandemic when there could possibly be a worse time to start, you know, monkeying around with this. And I, and I just say, you know, I'm, I'm glad the people who think this is a good idea are transitioning off the council. They have had four years and eight years to consider this idea, mull it around give it some study. They didn't do it. 
They waited until we were not just in a pandemic. They didn't do this in March or April. They're waiting until we are in the twilight of a very serious disease to start playing these games with people's lives. It is, it is inexcusable. And, and so, how, how, you know, if we can stop this now, if we can raise enough attention and say, this is not what we want to be doing right now, is there a way that we can cure the harm we've already created? Yeah, I, I mean, here's here's the good news, um, because I, it, it's hard to find sometimes, but, but I am uh, trying to find it. Um, and I will tell you that, you, you know, one thing I heard from our our, our health workers is that, um, you know, we had a very rough meeting at the Board of Health on Wednesday. So this was out yeah. there the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will tell you that the reaction from most of the board was very strongly negative. Uh, Mayor Johnson from Buckley, who is, you know, just this amazing woman. I've known her now for, I think, 22 years uh, from doing regional local government stuff. She's very much the type of person that you expect to be in small town government, you know, very community oriented, positive. And she was, uh, I think it's safe to say livid, that excused herself from um, almost using four letter words a couple of times. And, um, but, you know, and we're starting to hear from our, our other cities that they're pretty outraged as well. And the outpouring of support um, for public health from our health workers, from the public. I think one thing that is happening is that there's a lot of I think our, our public health workers are seeing there's a lot of folks out there that have your back. You know, when there's when there's negative things happening, you know, that's the loudest thing you hear. So all the people saying, oh, you don't know what you're doing and blah, blah. Um, they're the loudest voice, but they're a very small minority. But the problem is you don't hear from the vast majority that supports mm-hmm. the public health response to this pandemic. So now when they see this is under threat, I don't want those people feeling like we don't have their back you're seeing a lot of people come out and say it out loud. And, um, you know, I'm even hearing that there's going to be, you know, uh, a picket at the uh, mm-hmm. County city building coming up. And there's like all this kinds of, you know, people that quite frankly don't get involved in political issues are reaching out to me and saying, what can I do? I've heard from more doctors from my own town that I've never heard from before, <laughs> you know, saying this is wild. What can I do? And I do want to back up and say, I, while I agree with you, it was irresponsible to bring up at this time. I do want to emphasize that I I don't think I don't think my colleagues thought this through and how it would be perceived. I think they thought through, you know, like we have to get you know if we're going to do this, we need to get this done now because uh, when the Democrats are in charge, they're not going to agree with us, um, and it kind of felt rushed. So I think it's important for people to speak up and say exactly what you're saying. I don't think they're evil for wanting to do this. I don't think they're bad for wanting to bring it up. I just don't think they realize the impact this could have. Um, and so that's why, you know, it would have been nice to get a heads up before because I could have said, look, here's some risks here. Um, but because that didn't happen, we didn't get the opportunity to kind of say, don't do this. And here's why. So uh, I, I do respect the you know, the thinking behind, you know, what they're trying to do, it's just, it, it could not happen at a worse time. So I'm urging them, you know, back off, let's, let's fix this. Um, you know, I can even commit to at some point in the future, we'll, we'll do the work. You know, that's the other thing about this is it doesn't, this isn't a notice and then we'll go figure out what's best. 
This makes the decision without any analysis at all. It says we are setting, we are getting rid of TPC HD and we are setting up a new um, PC HD. And that is just all there is to it. It eliminates all the other possibilities. So, you know, if we want to be real about this and this is all about good governance and all that, let's look at the possibilities. Um, But all that said, I think this partnership has been great. Personally, it brings our, our, our largest city and the county together. Um, it uh, combines resources in an effective way. Um, and, you know, I actually just think we need more of it. Like, let's get more of these smaller jurisdictions to the table. Um, let's get more voices there. Let's get more investment in our, um, in our uh, health department. One reason I like the district model is it's much more likely you end up with every jurisdiction investing dollars in a proportionate basis. So that to me would be, you know, a, another way of approaching the same thing. It remains a separate agency, but you get more uh, buy-in from everyone. But there's probably downsides to it too. I, I, but I don't have all the facts. I just know when I go to my county association meetings and I hear about the experience of health boards around the state, no matter the model, they end up with a similar experience. And that's, you know, trying to sort through what's best to protect the public uh, and their safety and welfare. That's like our, our prime charge. It's the thing, you know, everyone talks about like states' rights, all that kind of stuff. They always leave out what that was. One of the main ones is the police powers, public health, safety, welfare. That was left for the states. And the, our state, we've chosen to pr- grant it primarily to the county government, county level. So this is an obligation that we have, and it's founded in the Constitution. Uh, so the reason that the CDC can't come in and order us to do anything is because the 10th Amendment says that's for the state and local governments to figure out. We have this obligation. We need to do it the best way we can. I think the governance model, there's probably some options out there. But at this time, we have to remember that first obligation, protect the public safety, health and welfare. That to me says don't go there right now. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, I want you to tell me about what the timeline is and how people can um, get information about this and also make their opinions known to the county council. Okay. Hello, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by TAPCO, Pierce County's original credit union. You might already know that credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives with a focus on enriching their members instead of big bank shareholders. TAPCO is committed to serving Tacoma and Pierce County, just like Channel 253. That means when you put your money there, you put it back into our community. Think about it. You go to the night market, you go to the Grand, and you shop at local stores. So why not keep your money local too? TAPCO offers the products and services you need. Home loans, auto loans, checking and savings, online and mobile banking, all with lower fees and better rates than big banks. Plus, TAPCO donates to local causes and supports our community in other ways, so you can feel good about helping your neighbors. To learn more about our local choice for all of your banking needs, visit tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. Hi, we're back after the break. Uh, before we continue our discussion with Derek Young, I'd like to do a quick ask. If you are not a contributing member to Channel 253, I hope you will consider joining us. It is $4 a month or $40 a year. 
And one of the things that we do, and I try to do on Crossing Division, is provide an opportunity for people like Derek to come and give kind of the long version of what's going on. You know, you're going to get actually very good newspaper coverage in this town from the News Tribune, and you get excellent coverage as well from KNKX, but none of them can um, afford to spend 45 minutes or an hour talking with someone. And I think that's a, that's a positive that Channel 253 and our podcast can provide to our community. So I hope you'll join in supporting that effort. So Derek, let me, uh, let me start you off by saying, I agree with you completely. I mean, I think that um, we need more regional um, decision-making rather than less, frankly. I mean, so many of these problems, they don't stop at a county line. They don't stop at a city line. Um, it's like trying to cage water. It, it only makes sense to me that more be done in a collaborative regional manner rather than less. Um, so I, I, hope that, um, you know, if the um, county wants to look more closely at things like their public health system, you know, they'll do that in a, in kind of a sober and evaluative manner. Um, but tell me what happens next with this particular proposal. It's a, it's a proposed ordinance. Um, it's come up in the study se session. You mentioned it comes to a committee on the 7th, and then I think it gets voted on maybe by the county shortly thereafter. What's the time frame? Yeah, so it's the the 7th is the rules committee meeting uh, where it will be heard for committee. And then um, it'll go to the full council. Uh, it's already scheduled for the 15th. And that's mm -hmm. where we'll have our final vote. After that, uh, the executive has 10 days to uh, decide whether to sign, veto, or not sign, but it goes into effect, uh, sometimes called a pocket veto. Um, and, uh, so, but then after that, uh, 10 days after that date, it goes into effect. Mm -hmm. So if and that's people, our normal procedure, just to be clear, um, how can people, um, get involved and, um, comment on this? The first thing I tell people is, you know, to write the council. And in this, this is one of those cases where I think it's important for us to hear all to hear from everyone. Uh, so there's actually a web forum. If you go to the contact the council and there's a web forum where you can email the whole council uh, or there's an email address, it's pccouncil at piercecountywa.gov and that will go to everyone. Uh, the second thing is I would call direct to your council member and, and see if you can um, you know, either reach them, leave a message, talk to their assistant, whatever, especially if you have a personal relationship with them. Um, you, you know, I think that's, that's always really effective. Um, so, uh, you know, quite frankly, if you are a medical professional and you have um, uh, strong feelings about this, now is the time for you to be heard more than any other. Uh, because I think one of the things about public health that gets missed is, while it's not the same as medical care, they are interconnected, especially in a pandemic. So the one, you know, it's difficult to provide medical care um, to people while you're worried about infectious diseases. A, a lot of the, you know, remember dentists, for example, were having a hard time being open. Um, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, different kinds of, uh, I guess, what's the term that they use? The non-necessary uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, surgical uh, care, uh, non-emergence uh, kind of care gets put off because they're having to save capacity for COVID cases. So they're all, everyone in the industry is well aware of what the impacts are, but also that, that final thing, I think 
and this is where it gets really tricky, is so much of the pandemic, people have been focused on how many and people and who they are uh, that lose their lives ultimately over this. And while it is an enormous number of people, people focus on that percentage. It doesn't seem like that much, um, but everyone else is going to be fine. No, <laughs> that is not the case. The risk of serious life-altering injury is significant with this. Um, something like a third of people who have been hospitalized have like permanent uh, or seemingly permanent uh, mm -hmm. symptoms that they're struggling with. They're unable to get back to life as normal uh, because of neurological problems, um, lung problems, heart problems, damage to other organs. So I think we need to hear from folks on significance of this pandemic and how this decision may impact that because of that connection between what our public health department does and what the medical care providers are doing. Mm -hmm. The council members who, who appear to be favoring this, or at least seem to be favoring moving it forward, um, what's your sense of what groups or what interests they're listening particularly closely to? So if, if I, you know, I don't live in uh, council member Roach's district, but if I wanted to contact someone who she was likely to listen to, who would that be? Yeah, I would say there's uh, a few different options. And, you know, to be clear, this was a party line vote to schedule it. Uh, and I would expect that if this is going to pass, it'll be party line. So the focus should be on the Republican members. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say, you know, people from their district, number one, um, uh, people from business community, uh, interest groups that they listen to, um, you know, the uh, medical uh, practitioners, all of those uh, folks, anyone who has a particularly vested interest in in get, seeing us get out of the, the pandemic that may be different than the average person's. So, you know, we got a, a fascinating email from, I don't, I don't know if it was for public consumption, but um, so I'll, I will I'll save the name, but a, a local business that is, that was basically desperate saying mm -hmm. the current, the current measures aren't working. I, I, I think they said they made like a hundred dollars the day before when they, they yeah. generally gross, you know, thousands and thousands. And they basically said, I think what we need to do is a firm, hard lockdown, like we did kind of at the beginning to just get through this, get it under control so I can open back up. This is going to kill my business. And it was interesting to see one, because you're basically having a business saying, shut me down, mm -hmm. you know, because, uh, because if we don't, you know, rip the Band-Aid off quickly, uh, the pain may put me out of business. Um, but that that hearing from them directly is powerful because only the people that are running those businesses or working at them can tell you those things. You know, I have pretty good guess. You know, I try to pay attention. I, I read a lot of news coverage and economic analysis. But hearing from that person was particularly powerful because I know their business. I know it well. I want it to last. Um, and I think most of uh, the community would want, want it to as well. So that was interesting. And I think persuasive, um, you know, we, we're, we're all creatures of who we, we interact with, right? You know, we're social animals. And so the closer that relationship is either through personal relationships or affinity, that's always best for any kind of advocacy, but particularly on an issue like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, some groups I've seen on social media who, who do, I think, plan some, I don't know if it's demonstrations or, or, you know, large events. Is that effective or do you think that causes people to just kind of stop listening entirely? 
it, it can have both effects. Um, I guess I'll look at it this way is there's a certain amount. Once you get past, like, you know, trying to reason with things there, it's almost like a poll, right? Mm-hmm. It, it tells you, wow, there, there is a lot of very upset people out there. Um, you know, I know like members of Congress, they actually track the yes or no's, you know, on, on stuff. Um, I don't really do that, to be honest with you, on, on typical issues. One, we don't get as much um, attention. But the other thing is that it's more the quality of the argument that matters to me, you know, that I'm, I'm trying to listen uh, to my constituents, but it's more about what they're saying, not how many people are saying it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you're just hearing overwhelmingly from one group, it's time to start reevaluating your thinking um, or at least looking for a way to take the heat down. Um, So like, for example, I, I, they've made their point that they think that the governance model as it currently sits, Mm -hmm. isn't working. I think they're wrong, but we can have that debate at some point in the future. You know, there, there's things that I really want to do that have been disrupted by this pandemic as well. Uh, and it's frustrating because we're term limited. So I know that means that there's things I'm not going to get to that I really want to. But that is the reality of the situation. We're all dealing with it. Um, so the question is, how much risk are you willing to take for this much reward? And mm-hmm. it's it really feels to me like even if you're right, like even let's let's just stipulate that maybe some uh, the, uh, the better system would work better. That's such a small reward compared to, because we're going to do the same work. And I do think that's important to emphasize. I don't want to scare people to the point that they think we're dissolving the department completely and not going to do public health in Pierce County. Because I've seen a little bit of that out there. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. We would basically absorb the health department. Um, But the question is, you know, how much potential reward would this get from an efficiency standpoint from, you know, some sort of streamlining of the management, whatever, um, versus the potential for interrupting our pandemic response and making things worse. To me, this, this is, this is, you know, everything's a trade-off. <laughs> there's all, there's, there's always risk and reward. To me, this one is a no-brainer. Yeah. And I would add to that, you know, I think that sometimes, um, folks are not really thinking about the impact that it has on the individual employees. Not not that they're not thinking that this is disruptive, but what they don't realize is that probably at any given time, um, our better folks have other job opportunities elsewhere. You know, there's a state Department of Health that's looking for people right now. Other cities are desperately looking for well-qualified, you know, substance abuse people and nurses and analysts and, you know, um, administrative personnel. You know, this type of thing makes an employer unattractive and an unattractive employer does not get the best applicants or retain the best employees. And that's a, a once again, another black eye for the region that we just didn't need right now. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a number of reasons why this is, I think, very poorly thought out and the worst possible time. And, it's uh, a great and, point. It, yeah. I, I will say, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you always placate to what the employees want. I, I will tell you that right now we're adopting some policy that, that there are some upset employees with me <laughs> or some employees that are upset with me. There's no question about that, but it's not to the level of like, deal breakers where I am going to hurt the attractiveness of the organization or make them feel unwanted. And that is, that is a risk here where, where, 
you know, especially after hearing some of the pain that was in the voice of a lot of these folks, I think we've underestimated how much pressure that they're under. Yeah. Um, I know I personally have felt a little bit of a, you know, you, the public has, you know, sought out, okay, this person's on a health board. They can, they can order my school to open, you know, and, and that's not the case, but um, you know, people are understandably, um, you know, and I, I say understandably, I get why people are upset. I want schools open too. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of other things that are frustrating about this. I will tell you that if we had a federal system that, that made sense or had any kind of strategy, we could do a lot more of those things because um, mm-hmm. nobody likes this. I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough how much public health workers don't like being the bad guy. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they also don't want to hear that people are suffering. You know, we, we had to hire more contact tracers because our case count went, went way up. None of those folks are enjoying what they're doing. They're doing it because they feel duty driven to, you know, try to help and, and protect people. It's, it's out of a sense of um, public duty that they do these jobs because frankly, most of them could work in the private sector or somewhere else for more money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, these are talented folks. Um, and, and I, uh, you know, especially the ones that like, like Dr. Chen, he's a physician. I know we don't pay him as well as, as he could demand if he wanted um, in the private sector. So it's, it's a, it's a matter of this is the practice that I love and what I feel the need to do. Um, but, yeah, like I said, overall, we are we were running a a, a very a very slim uh, public health department before, um, so you don't want to lose anybody. And you're absolutely right that morale is a real thing, and so we get back into that risk reward. Um, how how much are we getting out of this versus? There's some other employment stuff that you have to do. That's like you know. Maybe you can't give them the pay increase that they were looking for. Right. That's, that's life. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Derek, thank you so much for talking with us today. I will put up the, um, the website location for people to lodge comments to the full County council. Um, So that should, that should help. And then um, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I mean, this is a, this is a very unfortunate development and it's a very unfortunate tactic um, but at this point, I guess it's just a matter of um, letting the public speak to their representatives and try to see if that makes a difference. Hundred percent. And then we got to figure out how to patch things up with Tacoma because we we can't have our our county and our largest city, um, you know, in uh, with this hurt of feelings between the leadership. So that will be job number two. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Derek. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, listeners, if you have questions or comments about this, go ahead and send me an email, truetacoma at gmail.com or find me on social media at true underscore Tacoma. Um, I'll filter them on to Derek if uh, any need to go his direction. And um, also, if you have ideas for future episodes, please let me know. That's it for today. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows.
Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.